Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. You're Craig. the one that had the good thing for the intro. Yes, I was taking a dramatic <laughs> pause. Oh, I'm okay. going to keep that in. Cheese has been like scientifically proven to have like the same effect on your brain as far as dopamine is concerned as like cocaine. Yeah. Now, now I haven't had cheese all day. Okay. And I've been snacking on some cheese its And I'm in an amazing mood. It's, yeah, it's the best. Now, I think that cheese its are like the most universal snack. Like, you'd be hard-pressed, aside from someone who's, like, allergic or sensitive to it, to find people that are, like, anti-Cheez-It. Yes. I will raise you. There is one more snack. Because I, I think I'm anti-potato chips. So a lot of people will be like, well, potato chips are more universal. I know a lot of people are just like, chips are just straight up bad for you. I think pretzels. You know what? We should do a Bracket Boys. Next week, we'll do a Bracket Boys for, like, snack food. Okay. Um, But I'm putting pretzels in the number one seed, bro. Pretzels, I will say, are more universal, but I think Cheez-Its are better. Um, I I think that's tricky because I think that's like saying cheese pizza is more universal, but Hawaiian pizza is better. And I think that's yeah. whack. Wait, actually, I, let's phrase it in a way. I But all right, let's say cheese pizza is more universal, but I don't know. Meat lovers is better. Now, the people that love meat lovers would die for meat lovers. However, I think there's a lot to be said for something that's universally loved. I would say the same thing for like The Dark Knight, right? Everybody likes The Dark Knight. Everybody likes it. Um, however, the people who like a movie like, I don't know, The First Avatar by uh, James Cameron. The people who love that movie would die for that movie. And I know a lot of people make the argument, well, Avatar is just better. Like cinematically, like look at how long it took to make it. I'm like, Sure. But everyone he likes The Dark Knight. Not everybody likes Avatar. And I'm so deep into this, I almost forgot what we were talking about. Do you remember, though? Yes. Cheez-Its, okay. right? And pretzels. Yeah. Pretzels, I think there is something to be said for something that's universally loved. I think, you know what? Let's get political. If there was a president that was universally just liked, it's a lot better than, let's say, 70% of the people loving something or loving that candidate. 70 percent. 70% is a really good number. And even if the other 30 are like uh, agnostic, there's a better word for that. What's the one with the you don't care? Starts with an A. Apathetic. Apathetic. Yeah. Even if the other 30 just like don't care, I think it would be better if 100% of people were just on board. We're just like, yeah, we like this guy. Craig, between the two of us, which one of us is the pretzel and which one of us is the Cheez-It? You're the pretzel, I'm the Cheez-It. I, I think we might both be Cheez-Its. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're both Jesus. I don't think either one of us are universally loved. <laughs> um, but that's a good talk. If you want to hear more about our snacks, stay tuned for next week when we do a snack bracket boys. All right. Let's talk about our movie for this week. We are starting our monthly theme. We're doing a Spielberg spring. We're going to look at some classic Steven Spielberg movies. I almost just called him Steve Spielberg. Like I knew him personally. <laughs> I dig it. I almost um, called James Cameron Jim. Okay. So we're, yeah. we're on the same page. Um, To start it off, we're going in chronological order of the movies that we've picked from him. So we are starting with the bona fide classic Jaws. If you don't want to hear us talk about this movie, you can go ahead and skip to this time code right here. Time code. 28 minutes, 55 seconds. So the first thing... 
that I want to talk about in terms of Jaws is how much this movie changed everything. Like, this is the movie that we have to thank for having summer blockbusters. Right, because before this, it was just holiday blockbusters. So you came out with movies around the holidays when you would go see stuff with your family, when people had time off of work, and when kids had time off from school. Summer, adults are still working, so it was a slump of like, the kids are going to be at home, the parents are going to be working, no one's going to see these movies. This, I think, movie released on like 300 theaters did so well that then they turned around and released it to thousands. It invented the blockbuster, like you're saying. Yes. Um, summer was when studios released movies to die. When they were like, we're obligated to release this movie, but it's going to do poorly. Let's do it in the summer. And then this movie surprised everyone by being uh, successful. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about with this movie is it's crazy that this movie came out, was rated PG, and then it took another another seven years for a movie to get a PG-13 rating. Like, well, no PG-13 other was movie... Invent- invented at way after this, like you're saying. Yeah, like, never have I seen a movie that fits, like, a PG-13 rating so perfectly than this movie. It's the kind of movie that you would think, like... The MPAA, like, really, like, probably, like, bashing their heads together. Well, it's not good for PG, but it's not too tough for R, so I guess it just stays PG, I guess. Like, I cannot believe that there was not one person that was like, what if we do one in the middle? And they're like, no, we're saving that for Red Dawn. Yeah, so Steven Spielberg is the one who suggested PG-13 because people got yeah. super mad about him um, and Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Also oh, yeah, Gremlins. sure. Um, but Indiana Jones was like the one where people were like, I shouldn't be taking my kids to this movie. And he goes, all right, then just create one between PG and R. And that was when 1985 they created Red Dawn. So shout out Spielberg during his spring. This guy is just everywhere. Dude, there's a reason we're doing a whole month to him. He's kind of like the top five Important. <laughs> like, I think if you had to throw out directors, it'd probably be him, Scorsese, Tarantino, James Cameron. Um, and then I feel like everybody else, I mean, that's four right there. And then I yeah. think of everyone else is super stylized. So Nolan, super stylized. Guy Ritchie, super stylized. Kubrick um, has like a very specific audience. Right. Um, Tim Burton, same thing. Like these people are putting out great movies, but I think those four that I named are like, everyone's obsessed with them. There's, you know what there and is? So, it's probably uh, Hitchcock would be the, would be yes. the fifth. And so- What's important to note about Spielberg, and this is something that I think we'll bring up several times throughout this month, is even if you don't like these movies, it is genuinely wrong to deny his importance in Hollywood. Because like you said, he's everywhere. Well, we watched three or four of his movies on the podcast just because they're good movies. Yeah. They just came up. And so, like, this dude... um, Directed movies, produced shows like the Animaniacs, um, funded video games. Like he genuinely had like his web contained everything. Um, from like the seventies to the nineties, it was impossible to avoid Spielberg. Like you would have to actively try to avoid him. Um, and like I, you know, like you said, we've watched a few Spielbergs here. Like. It's easy to see why. Like, he's got the cred to back up 
almost everything to his name. Yeah. We also, I mean, the this dude, he is a pretzel. Okay. <laughs> he is universally liked. He doesn't put out bad movies. He, I, I think he puts out movies that don't get like financial success, but no one's saying they're bad. You know? Yeah. Like, um, the movie that comes to my head is uh, War Horse. I didn't see it because I'm like, this is not something that appeals to me. So it would have lost money by people like me being like, I'm not interested in it. Everyone I know who went and saw it loved it. Um, for me, the like controversial Spielberg choice is always um, Ready Player One. Because okay. from what I understand, like it has good fan reviews. It has okay critic reviews. But the people, like people say that this movie is like one of the least faithful adaptations of all time. Like the people mm-hmm. that love the book despise the movie. They will flame this movie. And so I just hear like a lot of vocal criticism for Ready Player One because of just how like different from the source material it is. But here's the um, thing. I didn't want, I didn't read the source material. I watched it. I liked it. Yeah. I would say so, the Bridge of Spies is boring. But it has a 7.6 on IMDb. Uh, I remember watching The Adventures of Tintin thinking, okay, this could be better. It's got a 7.3 on IMDb. It's just like, this guy cranks out bangers, dude. He can't. Is he too big to fail? Um, Financially, probably. Um, I, mean, like, I don't know about Even his most recent. How many? Okay, there's a quick way to see this. How many Oscar noms does he have? Holy smokes. That was a dumb question to ask. Is it like 30? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And he's won three. Yeah. That's um, insane, bro. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, insane. <laughs> uh, do we want to talk about the movie real quick before we move into um, like the actual movie talk so people know what they're missing out on if they skip? Or no, we already told them they're going to skip or not, and we're not yeah. doing. Are we doing spoilers? This I movie mean, came out seventy five. We normally do spoilers. At at this point, we don't really differentiate unless we specifically say it. So okay. I'm I've always just kind of been in the boat of like, if we don't specify, they kind of need they kind of know what they're in for. Gotcha. Um, and I'll remind you guys. Hey, we're going to spoil this one. It came out fifty years ago. Did I do the math right? Yeah, bro, that's insane. Yeah, it's coming up on its 50th anniversary. Um, um, holy smokes. This guy created his movie, this movie when he was, there's no way. He was 29? Yeah. He created Jaws when he was 29 years old. Holy I, crap, I am an underachiever. I think a lot about that in terms of like um, Peter Jackson, who did the Lord of the Rings stuff. Like yeah. he did his first, like the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he made them when he was like in his early thirties, which is crazy that they'd be like hand, effectively hand the keys to the kingdom to someone like you know in their early thirties. Like you, you feel like you would want someone a little more seasoned on that. But um, what do I know? Um, also, audience, this movie had got nominated for four Oscars, won three of them: one for best sound, one for best film editing, one for best music. And got nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. So this movie, on top of being super influential in terms of like the the post-production kind of stuff, um, it was also super revolutionary in terms of how practical effects were done. Because Spielberg made a shark for this. Spielberg made a shark for this movie. Like, it's crazy how many robots this dude is willing to just 
build for his movies um because he does the same thing with jurassic park later it's like it's absolutely crazy like the lengths that he is willing to go to to make this movie like feel effective and for the most part it does so if you've made it 10 minutes into our movie conversation and like when are these guys going to actually talk about jaws here it is we're going to talk about jaws now if you haven't seen it it's the or if you just need a refresher on the plot it's about this island called Amity, the, or the city is called Amity, regardless. It's an island, and there are people in a town called Amity. And they get a shark warning, and the mayor is like, hey, don't close down the beaches. We need it for tourism. And the guy that's effectively in charge of beach safety is like, that doesn't sound like a great idea, but okay. And then, hey, guess what? The shark attacks people. And then everybody takes it a little more seriously. And the back half of the movie is them trying to catch the shark. Yeah. So the main character is the sheriff. I think he's the sheriff, which is wild that um, he's like in charge of everything. Literally, he's like arresting people and he's in charge of beach safety. And then the other main character would be the... Uh, shark expert just wildlife sea wildlife marine biologist kind of yeah they call him like an oshi they call him like an oceanographic expert or something like that yeah um and then in the last the back half of the movie like halfway through the second act and the third act um the third main character is the captain of the ship quint yes and we see quint at the very beginning of this movie He disappears for half of it and then comes back when, like, they need saving. Um, Overall, so this movie is, like, a lot of people's favorite horror movie. And this is kind of where I stand on the hill of, like, this is probably closer to just, like, thriller. And the only reason you would call it it labeled as adventure mystery thriller. Yeah. The only reason I would call it a horror is for the gore. Um, Yeah. But that's fair. Even then, that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I jump scares like, do not equal horror. Yeah. So there are parts about this movie that I like, and there are parts about this movie that I didn't like. It's not universal for me. I understand okay. why people appreciate this movie a lot. I have my qualms with it. First off, the dead kid tax, too high. I know. Like, there are some yeah. movies that that I'm, like, okay with them killing a kid. Like, for some reason, like, some movies do it better. This one, just, like, I don't know. It was unsettling in a bad way because the first person that dies to the shark very beginning of the movie is like a teenager right college age probably and you're like that's yep. a bummer and She's then also the under next the influence yeah um i mean that doesn't excuse a shark attack but whatever you know it just means <laughs> um, like it's harder to escape everything's more difficult when you're intoxicated sure yes um and then the next person to die is like an eight-year-old child and yeah, dude, you see the kid go under, you see the kid become a red mist and you see his like, I don't know, life jacket or whatever. And you, you will see that wash up on shore. It is brutal to the point of it's effective. I just personally don't like it. Yeah. So what I, what you, you'll realize in this movie is the kills get gradually more graphic. So the first kill, you don't see blood. You don't see anything. You just see her struggling in the water. And then you get she gets pulled down and disappears. And then you see her body later. Um, the second one, like you said, you see blood in the water. And I'm like, okay, 
And then the next attack, the guy gets, you see the shark, because this is when you get the attack on the pond. You see the shark, and then the dude gets, he loses some limbs. And I'm like, okay. And then subsequent attacks are just straight up dismemberment. People getting cut in half. Like, that's when they're like, all right. We gave you some warm-ups, three strikes. Let's just get into it. Let's watch some people die. Um, I didn't even notice that they were killing kids disproportionately. I think it was effective. I felt like the people that are in the water most time when you go to the beach, it's mostly kids. I'm not saying it's disproportionate. I'm just saying that, again, PG movie. Like Yes. <laughs> I, I told Macy when we went in this, I'm like, just so you know, this is the old PG, where you can swear as long as you don't say the F word, and you can't show sex... But you can show boobs and um, as long yeah, and then get ready for a lot of violence and blood because that also there's like the gap from G to PG is huge, but in order for it to go to R is literally just nudity, like full nudity, sex, and the F word. Like that's it. That's the only way to escalate to the next thing. So I'm like PG. This is the. This is probably the height of PG, right? Is this is is this? Yeah, as it goes? I would be surprised if a movie uh came out with this same stuff and was still rated PG. Yeah, this is insane. I dig it. Um, but like as far as you were saying, like yeah, I would say it's extremely effective. It's unsettling, but it's effective, and I and I can respect that. Um, just for the record, to show you kind of like how infrequently G-rated movies are made. Not that it's particularly germane. The last G-rated movie that like wasn't like Paw Patrol or something was Toy Story Four, and that movie came out four years ago. Because I think people, I don't even know what's the difference between a G and PG. Is it just like intense themes? I guess so, because, like, also Cars 3 is rated G? That can't be true. Oh, I saw Luck on Apple TV. That's rated G. That came out last year. Oh. It's good. Um, Yeah. It's, you literally just, there can't be too much stress in a G movie. Yeah. And so, this movie is all about tension, Jaws. Back yeah. to the particular topic. Um, And so, you go an hour, 70 minutes, without seeing the shark. Or yeah. having a shark attack. So you have these moments where, like, they're out doing a boat recovery or they're doing reconnaissance or they accidentally hunt down the wrong shark. Where, like, as an audience member, you're supposed to be on edge of kind of, like, anything could happen to them. Because that's why they kill so many people so flippantly at the beginning of the movie. To kind of establish, like, hey, this shark kills. So be ready for that. Um, and I didn't really feel affected by those themes, these like scenes of tension. In Mm. fact, I kind of found them pretty boring. Once Quint got looped into it, there was too much time between Quint getting looped in and action happening to like, for me to care. Like there's a scene where they're on his boat in the middle of the night hunting the great white. And Quint has this like very intense incredibly well-performed monologue where he talks about like the horrors and like effectively like the PTSD he has from, you know, various events in his life. But like Mm -hmm. at that point I I had reached a point where I I was like, I recognize this is important and powerful. I kind of want to just see the shark. Yeah. Um, I, I was on board for this. I wanted to see the shark too, but the thing is, 
is I had seen it already. So I know the shark exists and I liked not seeing it. Anytime I didn't see the shark, I'm like, this is, it's cooler than when I see the shark. It's like, yeah. And so like when you see the shark in the pond, I would, every time I saw the shark, I literally gasp. I'm like, whole, like, I was like, <laughs> it reminded me, oh, this thing's a monster. Um, yes. And then there's a jump scare of it coming out of the water. Dude, every time I saw it, it was a big deal. So when it wasn't happening, I just like knowing it was around. Yeah. And I definitely agree that that is effective. And I don't want to like disparage this movie for doing it. I personally just got bored, I think, sooner than other people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I was on board. Macy was on board. I think most people can do it. But yeah, I understand where it would be slow. If you're here for the shark, just know that it has four minutes of screen time. Yeah. And once the shark starts like attacking the boat and they start throwing like explosive barrels at it and have the shark pull the boat. And is it Quint? Is Quint the one that gets just eaten purely alive? Straight up in half. He's sliding. Dude, when he's sliding down the boat and he had just got done telling us the story about how he watched like 700 people get eaten alive. I'm like, yeesh, this is rough. Yeah. That was rough. So I think that this movie does a really good job at being good when it needs to be, which is a very important Mm -hmm. skill that some movies do not have. Where like even during boring bits, the good parts of this movie loop me back in. Mm -hmm. Because the good parts are so good. Um, And I think I don't think there's bad parts. I think there's slow parts. Yeah, for sure. And your tolerance for that will obviously be the determining factor on if uh, it changes your overall opinion of the movie. I will say, right. um, again, something that's done on purpose, the the citizens of Amity feel like they're purposefully annoying. And Yep. They're like the freaking who's of Whoville, bro. I mean, can't you see there's a Grinch around? What's going on? Is 4th of July that important? And so the mayor, you know, pulls sev- like the experts aside and like hey we're not closing the beaches and so the mayor is like kind of been memed on and is like the most memed on like secondary villain that i've seen in movies where you just kind of <laughs> yeah. like hey no matter how bad you feel you've done at your job just remember the mayor of amity got reelected after the events of jaws like um and i didn't realize how cartoonishly literal that meme was or that you know that meme theme was because almost all the people that die in this movie after the first death is almost solely on you know the mayor and other council members of this city to the point and also even on top of that um the citizens that are like hey we know there's a shark attack we're going to the beach anyway like that's crazy that the beaches are packed the day after a child dies on the beach is it i can't remember do they release that the kid was yeah no the yeah, reason they the mom were back puts in out a bounty is for it because they thought the shark was already gone no the mom put a bounty so they yeah they Shut down the beach for 24 hours while all the hunters go and. Yeah. So the reason they go back out the next day is because the hunters catch, uh, you know, the man eater. Yeah. Uh, a shark. Basic, a big shark, which has got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> that is so, dude, that is like, 
hey man, the ocean is a big place, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Are you dumb? If someone gets bit by a dog, you don't just go shoot the next big one you find and say you got him. That is so stupid. When it happened, I'm like, you should all be ashamed of yourself. When th- Then they have to bring in an expert to, to measure like the jaw and be like, this is not it. And be like, you don't have to be a scientist. You that was the scientist. thing that really got me was when the scientist was like, the jaw diameter doesn't match the bite size. And everyone was like, eh, don't worry about it. They're like, like why do you got to be a Debbie Downer? I'm like, what? What is happening right now? This movie is, I would has a big footing in the don't listen to the scientist trope that so many people are tired of. If you are tired of that trope, you will be disgruntled by this movie. Yeah, as although it is a trope, it's so realistic. Yeah, <laughs> just sure. like prove it. I don't like your evidence. Never mind. So, like, I get it. It's one of those things that, like, if it was based off a true story, we'd be cool with it. Because reality is stranger than fiction. In in fiction, it has to have happened before to do it. And in nonfiction, it literally has to happen once. Because then it's based off a true story. And this is just one of those times where there's a lot of times where I'm like, okay, all right. Like, dude, the shark takes down a boat in, like... Several boats. Yeah, and one of them's pretty substantial, and it does it in a pretty spectacular fashion. Like the whole thing. Some would flooding. even say easy. Also, how long into the the second half of the movie did you realize the boat was actually sinking? Because it took um, me a while. Yeah, I don't know if I was paying enough attention to like really notice. Um, Greg, I'm disappointed you weren't paying attention. Oh, sorry. Because this movie, dude. Here's the thing: I went into this movie with King Kong standards. I'm like, okay. this movie's old okay i know it's by spielberg i know people like it but this might be one of those things that like just straight up doesn't hold up this movie's good i would watch it again i would recommend people who haven't watched this movie watch this movie it is if this movie came out this year there'd be two knocks on it and one of them would be that a shark doesn't look realistic on the you know for the 90 seconds you see a fake shark and then the other knock would probably be like, it'd probably be like diversity related. And there's a bunch of super not great stuff said about women <laughs> for a short <laughs> period of time. <laughs> um, but it's a good movie and you could watch it now and get through it no problem. You don't have to pause the movie and be like, all right, listen, it's of the time. No, bro. There's a shark cage scene where for the most, for most of the time, they're using a real shark. It's terrifying. Yeah. And like the bars of the cage bend and you're like, oh, that those bends are approximately shark sized. Yeah. Um, it's freaking sick. Um, uh, dude, I don't know. I was just on board for this. Like the whole like it. They're going about it how I would go about it. The whole shooting of the barrels. The whole thing was just dope. The dialogue was sick. I liked the main character. It was just awesome. Um, did you want to give it a rating? I'm gonna give it, dude. This I wrote down seven studying. Point he got into the call and was instantly like, "I need to figure out what the differences mean between each of my ratings," which is a sign that this one's a struggle. I'm gonna give it an eight. I'm gonna give it an eight. I was gonna give it a seven point seven five, but I just realized I gave the A team an eight, so this is definitely an eight. 
<laughs> oh, dude, that means not... that means this movie's better than the Nice Guys, which makes sense. It's better than Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which makes sense. Okay, I'm not I'm not upset with that. I'm okay, yeah, this it? is a, this is a six and a half from me. You know, like like uh, yeah. I went in with a very similar mindset. You know, King Kong mindset. Um, but there were more parts of this movie that I appreciated than I anticipated. There's a lot about this movie, even from like a fundamental level, that I think is worth pointing out, and I already have. Um, so this movie is good. It's not my kind of movie, and it doesn't do what it does well enough to like supersede the fact that it's not my kind of movie. Yeah, that's fair, dude. I recommend everyone watches this movie. There is like there is enough violence and gore that there's an age limit um, on how low you would go. So yeah. my nieces and nephew listening right now, you might want to go ask your mom and dad because you're kind of on the edge. But it is a great movie. Yeah, this movie just is PG-13, like to like the fullest extent. Yes, for sure. All right, Alex, improv. I got a new one for you, dude. We don't yeah. do new ones often because, first of all, improvs are hard to come up with. We've There's only so many improv games you can do. I've come up with Especially one Especially called... so many improv games that are audio only. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's kind of been a big one. Um, And I don't want to come up with trash. But this one's called The Switch Glitch. Um, We're going to do a scene just like normal, two-person scene. Every 30 seconds, we switch characters. To each other's characters or to a new To each other's characters. characters. We okay. do, we go back and forth between each other's characters. And if 30 seconds Are the seconds characters is, aware that the switching is happening? Nope. We just, okay. it's like the actors just taking over each other's characters. Okay. Um, I, If 30 seconds is too short, we can make it 45 seconds. But it needs to be like relatively quick and often. Okay. Um, I guess then I should probably pull up some sort of, I'm going to pull up the clock, the Windows approved clock. Okay. Maybe in post you can put like a beep or something. I don't know. <laughs> High production value. Yeah. Listen, one time when we did this segment where we like um, trunked down an entire sitcom season in like four minutes, I decided to put like a laugh track in that improv segment to like make it feel like a sitcom. And let me tell you, that was not worth my time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that that was rough. Um. Do you have a scene in mind? One of us is an exterminator, and the other person is mad because exterminators are killing their food. Like, this is like a next-level carnivore who's, like, anti-exterminator because all f- animals deserve to be eaten, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it this does. This is, like, the, the, the far right of PETA. If PETA's far left, this is far right. Okay. Which one do you want to start with, I guess? I think we should go with the one that's most on brand for me. Okay. So I'm um, going far right. <laughs> I'm going the far uh, right. Yeah. Okay. Listen, man, you got about five seconds to get off my property before I get some shooting. Oh, whoa. Okay. Um, this is kind of an extreme reaction. I haven't even rung the doorbell yet. I haven't introduced myself. Listen, I knew you were coming because my neighbor called and gave you a warning. I want you to know I got traps all over this place and they're for me. Like like mouse traps? Because that would actually help me a lot. 
no, they're not traps for the rats. They're traps for you. I, I've, I've, I've lined this building with, with spikes and, and pitfalls and fire spits. You haven't seen the half of what I could, what I could prepare for you. Hey man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you out. I'm just, I got called here. Oh yeah, by who? The neighbor, bro. Neighbor, my booty. I never trusted him, and to be honest, he shouldn't be calling people on my property anyway. His line's way over there, and he's been trespassing ever since the day he moved in. Okay, um, well, I'm here just on the outside of your house, and I can see all the kind of, like, rot and mold that, you know, vermin like to live in, and, like... Your house could be condemned by the government if I don't, like, step in. You think that I'm going to let somebody step into my house after threatening <laughs> to condemn it? Listen, man, here's the thing, right? They're eating your crops. I see you have a garden back there. Rabbits eat those crops. A lot of these rodents eat back there. Then they could be in your house, affecting the foundation, living in the walls. This is not good for you. I'm trying to help. Listen, the last time that somebody tried to help me was my ex-wife, and that's when I divorced her. Okay, um, a little weird that you bring your ex-wife up. Like, is that something you bring up often? You know what? The next person that brings up my ex-wife is going to get a shotgun to the noggin. Okay? Uh, so you, you keep her name out of your mouth. Okay, um, I will do my best. Um, can, listen, here's the thing. I'm either going to do the treatment or someone's going to have to pay the $100 cancellation fee. You think I got $100 that I can just give out willy-nilly for a cancellation fee? You think I would be eating bugs and cockroaches off the floorboards of my house if I could afford genuine protein? Hey, man, if you're not going to pay the fee, maybe I can get your neighbor to pay it. Can you at least sign these forms saying you're not letting us do the work and then give us a short description on why? Yeah, um, I'll just tell you my name, and then you can just sign it for me, because I don't like human touch. It's Cletus uh, Johnson, first of all. And second of all, I ain't signing no government papers. I don't care who you're with. I know they've been watching me. Now, like I said, you got three seconds to get off my property. One, two, three, Coxgun. I'm going to be I honest. I peaked so hard. The thought of doing an accent or some sort of differentiating voice did not even occur to me until after we had already switched once. And I'm like, oh, wow, this accent's kind of handy. They're going to be able to tell us apart now. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason I did it. That is the only reason. Like, when you were that, describing the scene, I was kind of like, how are they going to tell? Like, that's going to get really confusing. And then I started doing that's the accent. That's why I wanted to put I'm the like, beep oh, in. Oh, that's how. Yeah. I wanted, to, I, had, I, had a, I wanted to put the beep in. When I realized, I'm like, the beep doesn't make sense. You just said in post. I'm like, well, what's, how else are they going to know? So let me think of all the accents I can do. And there's three of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Dude, I think that's fire. I think it yeah. works really well. And I think the 30 yeah. seconds is dope also. Yeah. Well, that was um, a, that was a switch glitch. Uh, you'll see it again. This one is a middle segment that we're doing now. The middle segment is a segment that takes a little bit of preparation. Uh, normally, one of us comes to the podcast with something for the other to participate in. Um, Alex, this segment is also new. Um, it's called 
you know, it's called the grading scale. And so what I've done is I've come okay. up with a bunch of categories and items within that category. And you must grade the items on like an F to A scale on how well it works in that category. Does that make sense? Interesting. I think I might need an example, but yeah, we can figure it out. Exa- that's totally fine. For example, the first list is unconventional places to pee. All right. Um, where would you rank? Sure. Like the bathroom sink in terms of like effectiveness, social acceptance, stuff like so that. So we're ranking this like on a, here's what we should do. We're not doing one to 10. We're doing like S tier to F tier. That's exactly what I said. I'm I a said great a, listener, first of all. I said an F to A grading scale, but if you want to do S, go for okay, it. Okay. We're going to include an S. We're going to do S um, because, you know, I'm a man of the people. I th- Here's the thing, and this is going to be pretty controversial. <laughs> It's A tier, bro. <laughs> it is A tier. And let me tell you why. Um, it's I'm six foot, okay? You're taller than I am. For I would say anyone who's five, it really depends on your proportions. It is the perfect height, bro. Yeah, and it also the, the height of your height. sink as well. Right. And most people don't have urinals in their house. Also, it reduces mess and splash because then you have, there's no aiming involved it's point blank range and then you obviously run the sink and you're already standing there to wash your hands i think it encourages guys to wash their hands because nobody does it anyway so alex is giving this way more of a legitimate argument in my head when i wrote that i also gave it like a high ranking i didn't give it an official one but you know i'm like this one makes sense because you know if you were to like go to the toilet and be like oh the toilet doesn't work i'll just move over to the next receptacle like, because let me tell be you what you worse. don't do. Where would you rank? I'm going to throw a curveball in here. Where would you rank the tub when you're not taking a shower? Like B tier. That's like, freaking crazy. Are you okay. are you nuts? Because, listen, y- y- all you have to do is just turn the water on for like 10 seconds. Yeah, now everyone thinks you're taking a shower. And now you have to explain yourself. I think there are worse alternatives. Here's the next one. That's freaking <laughs> crazy. Okay. Here's the next one. The kitchen trash can. Obviously, I've never done this before. I have no. gone in a trash can before, but this is crazy. Um, I'm going to go... See, to be honest, the best trash can is the kitchen trash can because it's designed to prevent leaks. Exactly. Yeah. I chose this for a reason. I'm going to go D tier because... It's often in public view, like if not strangers from outside of your house, then the people in your house. Also, you kind of have to take the trash out immediately because urine has a very strong smell. I, yeah, I'm going I'm going D tier for this. Uh, What about your backyard? S tier. Yeah, I think so, too. S-tier, Especially dude. Dude. if you like border something like if you have an enclosed fence. S-tier. If you got like a tree line. Exactly. That's exactly or like what an I was enclosed, say. like like a wood fence. Where no one can see. Oh, dude, the best night, bro. I'm at your house. I'm drinking, drinking. And I instead of going to the bathroom, which may or may not have been used, I don't want to, you know, search for it. I think someone might have been in it. I just walk out in the back deck, go into the middle of the yard. You have no fence. It's just dark out. I'm just <laughs> peeing in the garden. And I'm just looking up at the stars, bro. I was like Clint Eastwood in a few dollars more. I was, oh, dude, that's straight up full-blown Western. It is also not worried about, there's there's no aiming besides don't pee on yourself. To be honest, you can put your hands on your hips 
and just look at the sky. It's amazing. Also, it the cold weather hitting your junk aids the flow. It's amazing. Don't talk about your junk and AIDS in the same sentence, please. <laughs> S tier, bro. S tier. Um, what's funny about that, though, is when you were over for that night, we had a big tree line. That tree line's gone. <laughs> Which means not only can you see the neighboring house, the neighboring house is on a hill. So they can like look down on us. Um, That's nice. And the final one from this list is your ex's gas tank. F tier. Okay. I'm going F tier. Because here's the thing. I'm pretty sure it's still run. Um, I think it's at least a misdemeanor if you get caught. Um, Probably a felony, I think. You are on the list. Yeah. Yeah, it's public indecency. You you might get on a list if you get caught. Also, there's a pretty good chance they wouldn't even know. So what's the point? Also, think of the logistics. I have to drink a bunch of liquid, hop in my car, and drive over, case the joint, make sure you don't come out, make sure the lights are off, make sure there's no joggers or anything. And then I got to do it, hop back in my car, and do I record you? That you're going to recognize my vehicle. We just dated. Like, it just doesn't, logistically, it doesn't make sense. Or do I have to stake it out and do I drink on the stakeout? But then I'm on the clock. I've or, the, everything evolved around this involves timing, and I don't want that to be a factor in this. It's F tier. Uh, next list. We'll do three of these. I have a I'm bunch. This is so amazing. this can So this can come back. Um, uh, I want you to rank or, you know, give grades to the superheroes that I have come up with nothing but a name for no backstory, no superpowers, just names. Okay. Um, uh, bombastic, uh, C tier C tier. Okay. What yeah, about, he's not uh, getting his own comic. Um, million and one man. Oh dude. That's, that's, that's D tier. That's, that's a guy who just found out he had powers and he's still workshopping everything his costume is like magic marker on a white t-shirt this is a character that's like a throwaway character in doom patrol or something yeah um next uh rosario dawson s tier no i agree a tier okay i'm gonna go a tier and the last one um for superheroes that i've made up nothing more than a name for uh the joker better or worse than rosario dawson i'm i'm escalating <laughs> rosario dawson to s tier and putting joker a tier okay cool i'll start drafting those two up i'm sure i won't run into any logistical problems sure um, yeah, no problem the last list that i have for you to grade is things that you would be willing to buy from a bakery's experimental section awesome okay a cr- a crepe that is filled with cheese and grilled chicken Oh, okay. Here's the thing. Not a fan of crepes. Love cheese. Love grilled chicken. Please see earlier conversation where I talked about cocaine. Yeah. Um, Also, here's the thing. I trust the pros. If this is a reputable bakery, I'm going, I'm going B tier. Yeah. I mean, that's just a crepe-a-dia is kind of what I made. Um, Yeah. That'll be fine. Also, crepes of the breakfast foods, not super substantial. If you don't like that flavor, you'll be fine. It's not like chicken waffles. If you don't like waffles... You're going to have some issues. <laughs> what about a plain muffin with a nondescript sign in front of it that simply says special? Oh, that's 100% laced with something. 100% laced with something. Um, Without knowing what it is and knowing I drove my family there because it's breakfast and or brunch. If it's a muffin, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who has muffins in the evening. Those are called cupcakes. I'm going to go... C tier just because it's dangerous and it would be unwise. But watch it just have what like about 
a raisin in the middle. What about a donut that's wet? The silence is deafening on this one. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I had, I had three donuts today. Okay. Um, a wet donut. So let's say, let's say I know what the wetness is. Let's say it's glaze, fresh no, glaze. It's water. It's water wet. That's F tier. Okay. That's F tier, and I'm gonna tell you why. That's just <laughs> someone. It's like imagine sugar bread dipped in a glass of water. Imagine. Imagine taking bread, a loaf of bread, <laughs> sprinkling some sugar on it, and then taking a walk in the rain and then eating it. That's what we, what you just described, by the way, is what we give ducks. Yeah. I'm not yeah. doing that. I have nothing in common with ducks. Um, the last one on this list is, uh, in this bakery, is a PB&J just like your mom used to make. Do you remember... Your mom making you PBJs? Yeah. You seem like an uncrustable kid. Um, not to an extreme degree. I liked them in the sense that they were already made and I just had to open a plastic wrapping and could eat them. Um, but like I was not seeking them out. Now that I'm an adult, I'm not buying uncrustables. I know. I can name off the top of my head three adults who buy crustables and then eat them. Obviously. It's not it's like, for them, I, not their kids. Yeah. I'm not shaming that concept. Um but that just that's kind of my metric of like I did not grow up with it and I have no desire to do it as an adult. I will say um, peanut butter and jelly is like the first thing kids learn to make themselves. Correct. Um, so I straight up don't remember my mom making me peanut butter and jelly. Actually, I lied. I did not like peanut butter when I was young because it, it had that sticky consistency where it like stuck to the roof of your mouth. And it went yeah. attached to bread and made everything sticky. So I'm just like, can we cut the peanut butter ratio in half and double down on jelly? Um, yeah, because jelly's the sweet stuff. It's the sweet stuff when you're younger. And now older, I'm like, bro, peanut butter is dessert. Um, So I'm going to go D tier. No, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go D tier purely because that's not how I like it anymore. Also, bro, I think peanut butter and jellies are also the one sandwich that tastes worse when you cut it. Yeah. I don't, dude, peanut butter and jellies are already, um, it's a hazard. You're gonna, sp- something's coming out the sides. It's, everything is viscous, okay? You and know about when you cut my, my, you know about my peanut butter monstrosities, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so for context, yes, I, I have not had oh, a peanut butter this. and jelly sandwich that had only two slices of bread in probably years. There is always a third slice of bread that's always a double decker bus. Like I I am maximizing my like protein to like amount of effort ratio when it comes to PB&J sandwiches. And here's the thing. Um, We're going to lambast my brother here, Andrew. Um <laughs> Here's the thing. I put on a lot of peanut butter, but like I'm effectively making two sandwiches and putting them together. Andrew will put like half a jar of peanut butter on a single slice of bread and just go to town with that one. And I'm like, Andrew, can we proportion this a little better? Yeah. Dude, if you're going to go heavy, go heavy on the peanut butter. Um, Yeah. Because the jelly is what creates the mess. And if you cut that crap in half, if you add extra layers, if you do anything special, it's going to get worse. Also, bro, let me just give you a little tip. From the cereal man who's a professional breakfast maker. 
toast the bread. You need the extra texture. I'm a crunchy peanut butter man myself, um, but especially you people who enjoy creamy because you're babies, um, toasting the bread just adds an extra level of texture and it sweetens up everything else for some reason. It's just like warm sugar. Great in the morning. Highly recommend. And I would also like to plant my flag. You know, what is it called? Like the goober jar that is, you know, peanut butter and jelly in the same jar. Dude. Worst. Zero out of 10. Dude, I clean my knife before I go into the jelly jar. I clean it. Because here's the thing. I only use jelly for peanut butter and jellies. I actually, now that I'm saying that, I could totally not do that. But because I always go peanut butter first. What do you put down first? Jelly or peanut butter? Uh, also peanut butter because peanut butter is easier to clean off way easier i also to clean like off adjust jelly. my jelly ratio based on how much peanut butter i put on there and it also was just, it's- peanut butter way easier to spread yeah even with the chunks way easier it's it's best to start off with the easy stuff so when you do the hard stuff you're done when you're done that's a little life advice for you some people say it's the other way get the hard stuff out of the way first and then everything's easy hey man i don't want to use up all my willpower real early in the morning um and then also i'm a strawberry jam elitist I haven't used grape jelly in a decade. Ever since I've been making, like, ever since I was in charge of my own PBJs, it's been strawberry, bro. Every time. It is undefeated. I understand it's not the classic, but it's undefeated. So today we learned we've been that we could do an entire while. podcast on the breakdown of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Um, also being in general yeah so i'm glad that we all have this information now um i like i said i have more of these lists that i am more than happy to circle back to uh alex what is our one hit wonder it's called what is the meaning of this um i pulled a list of words you're gonna know two of them maybe two of them definitely one of them i'm gonna tell them to you And you're going to tell me what the meaning is. The number of offshoots of one hits that we do where Alex tries to like mess with my vocabulary or try to make up new vocabulary is a consistent phenomenon that desires to be studied. I'm a big fan of words, bro. And that's why we talk so much on this podcast. Here we go. Pluviafail. Pluviafail. Actually, I'll run it back to you one more time. I pronounce that with an accent. Pluvia file. Pluvia oh, file. okay. Okay. So file means like into something, like, you know, interested in it. Like pedophile. So, yeah, exactly. Um, And so now this, what I have to do is deduct what pluvi means. Pluvi <laughs> is art. It just means you're super into art. Rain and rainy days. Oh, okay. Equipolent. Equipolent. Effective at maintaining horses. Equal in power, effect, or just equivalent. I was really honing on honing in on that equine kind of root word. Went yeah. with the wrong direction there. Um extravasate. Extravasate. Is it like a like a it's it This feels is impossible. Like... This is one of those things that I'll give you a little hint. A scientist somewhere for sure made this up for something that only they did. Okay. Interesting. Then yeah, I because w- what I was gonna say is like it's some sort of like conjugation of the word extravagant. Um, nope. Um, to pour forth lava. Oh, interesting. Um, you might actually get this one. Um, bibliogny, bibliogny. You have too much faith in me. Do, it, it, I mean, like my heart says that it has to do something with libraries. The art 
of producing and publishing books. Okay. Yeah. There you go, man. You're smart. Next one. <laughs> I'm just actually going to have this thing just read it to you. Oh, it helps if you're not muted. Man, do I have to pay for premium? Mycorrhiza. I'm also going to be impressed if I'm able to hear it. Mycorrhiza. 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 Mycorrhiza is This a is impossible. So have disease. fun with this. It's like an okay. epidermic disease. Interesting. You were close. A symbiotic association of the mycelium of a fungus with roots of a certain plant. So I was right in the sense that I said something <laughs> scientific. Yes. Here you go. You got this one. I would bet the house that you get this. Radiant. Radiant? Yes. Would you like me to use it in a sentence? No, because like <laughs> it's one of those words that I know what it means. It's just kind of hard to describe. And there's like societal versions of it. And I'm sure there's like a literal definition that isn't exactly what it means. Because like radiant, I would imagine just, you know, is a version of the word like radiate. So radiant is something that probably emits its own form of light. Um. This is going to be one of the dumbest definitions I've ever seen in my entire life. Because I would say you're correct. This says, the point in the heavens from which a shower of meteors appears to radiate. Now, if okay. we look at synonyms. Hey, hold right? on. Time out. Let's, what is your source on this? Dictionary.com. Okay. Because I'm on the, because, you know, if you Google it, it gives you the Oxford definition. And the Oxford definition of radiant. Um, Are first, you telling okay. you've been cheating? No. Because I'm, Are you invest- taking I'm investigating. Um, so it's as an juicy. adjective, it means to send out light shining or glowing brightly. Um, but as a noun, it's a point or object from which light or heat radiates, especially a heating element in an electric or gas heater. Okay, adjective, emitting rays of light shining bright. Are you happy now? Jeez, man. It's a game, okay? We're all having fun here. It's called you hazing. sounded just as confused as I am, so I felt like I was doing it for the benefit of both of us, okay? Listen, bro. I, I am have nothing the if in not a selfless lover, okay? I'm only here to embarrass you, so let's do one more. Okay. Um, There's no way I'm going to say this correctly. Rort. Rort. Rort? Yes. Rort. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you would have told me that yesterday or even 15 minutes ago, I would have thought you made it up. I'm going to say that that's an adjective that is used to describe kind of like short and like bullish animals. Like to me, like a boar would be described as like rort and not just because it rhymes, but you know, that's the, that's the vibe that that word gives off. Um, it's actually an Australian word for rowdy. Oh, then it's not real. It's fake. Yeah. Rowdy, usually a drunken party, a rort. Okay, I guess. So, yeah, man. Here's the thing. I've learned nothing from this. I'm going to walk away the exact same man that I was when I came into it. Besides Rort and Radiant, can you name one other word? uh, Poolophile. I mean, no. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to see these words, go to dictionary.com and look up word of the day. I've literally just been going and scrolling back through days. Then what was the rain one? Was that not Poolophile? Jeez. If anything, Craig, I know for a fact you're pronouncing it wrong, but I'll pull it up for you. Okay. Obviously, they don't have a pronunciation for some reason. Pluviophile. Pluviophile. Okay. Yes. A person who enjoys rain and rainy days and who is fascinated by the sights and sounds of rain. I cannot get away from this segment fast enough. I have two things of free balling. 
I'm going to start with weathering with you. Um, this is continuing in, you know, after watching Suzume, I'm like, I need to finish watching the rest of this director's work. Also, I didn't name the director last time I when I talked about Suzume. The dude's name is Makoto Shinkai. And um, so weathering with you came after your name. These movies aren't directly connected. They're like subvertly connected. Um, this movie is about a dude who I say a dude. They're, you know, high schoolers. And the guy runs away from home. He moves to like Tokyo and he meets this girl who is an urban legend called a sunshine girl where she has the ability to make rain stop and sunshine appear for like a specific area for a short amount of time. And so they employ that as like a service so that way they go to like birthday parties and funerals and like various events to make it sunshiny to like help cheer people up. Uh, and as with all of Shinkai's movies, this supernatural element kind of like comes back around in a negative way. And hey, guess what? It's pretty easy to tell that when you manipulate the forces of weather, it's going to come back around and bite you. And so that's this movie is living with like the power to control the weather and then the consequences of that later on. It is probably my least favorite story that a Shinkai movie has given me so far. Um, but it is, I really like the themes of it. The concept of having like a sunshine girl, I think is very cute. And I think mm -hmm. it's like a fun, you know, lighthearted way to kind of look at maybe a relationship dynamic. You know, it's very like love at first sight type of aesthetic. Um, it's cute. It, you know, made me emotional as all Shinkai movies have done so far. And it's gorgeous. It's not my favorite aesthetic, but like when you're dealing with weather and rain and sunshine, like that gives you a lot of visual elements to play with. And it does that very well. So hmm. this probably sits at like a seven and a half for me. Craig. Yeah. I, to I told the people that I was going to watch last week and I followed through. I watched Ghosted on Apple TV. With Andre yeah. Moss and Chris Evans. Uh-huh. This movie's directed by none other than our friend Dexter Fletcher, who we watched uh, Rocket Man about Elton John uh, a long November ago. This movie, as I'm going to quote another review from Letterboxd. This movie was created by ChatGPT and no convincing could change my mind. This movie is just generic tropes. If they're like, hey... You have Ana de Armas, Chris Evans. You throw a little bit of action in there and a little bit of romance, but make it like PG-13 comedy. They, ChatGPT would create this movie and it's just not good. I want to say bad. You know what? It's bad. The dialogue sucks. The plot points suck. Adrian Brody's in this. You might know him from The Pianist. You know, a critically acclaimed movie. He's not good in this either. Um, The amount of plot armor is undefeated undefeated this chris evans could be wearing a vibranium full suit like black panther bro and he wouldn't he would have less plot armor than he does in this movie it's insane there's cameos up the wazoo for comedic purposes only and that's the funniest part of this movie and then you realize oh that's pretty much over and then ryan reynolds shows up later it's the dialogue sucks there's no chemistry between them the fact that chris evans is playing a jacked and handsome farmer in his 30s is not believable 
The fact that Ana de Armas is supposed to blend in as a CIA agent is not believable. This movie's called Ghosted because she's a CIA agent who doesn't talk to him for about 15 minutes of the movie. And guess what? She's back for the rest of it. Ghosted is just supposed to be like a cool name for a spy thriller. It barely pertains to this movie. Um, uh, would you like to hear the headline I just read? Sure. Uh, Ghosted, starring Chris Evans and Ana de Armas, is the most watched movie debut to date in Apple TV Plus history. Now, that being said, not less much than, to compete against. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would say um, Apple TV has less than 20 movies. Yeah. And they just, these this is their biggest movie as far as stars are concerned outside of Tom Hanks. Um, it's, and they promoted the crap out of this movie. Yeah. Um, and so in the in the promos that I saw for this, like Chris Evans and Ana de Armas have like pretty solid chemistry. Like, is that apparent? Is that is that anything? It's not. I think it doesn't feel natural. It's it's believable. But if you were to put them in a lineup and be like, who should go together and you see how they interact? It doesn't make sense. Um, This movie gives me um red notice vibes. Yeah. For sure. And like for the, it, the movie that I was like going to equate it to was The Gray Man, but that Red Notice probably oh, makes more Gray sense. Oh, Gray Man's way better than this movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this feels like Red Notice. Um also, this is a big spoiler, so I'll give you like 5 seconds. I'm ready. At the end it all works out. Oh, it all okay, works cool. Out. Um yeah, everybody lives. All the important people live. Of course, they stopped the world from dying or whatever crazy device also there's so many tropes in this movie it feels like there should be a plot twist do you know when like everything's like so predictable you're like oh at the end we're gonna find out she's actually the bad guy no it's exactly it's as bad as it actually is like there is a whole exchange of the weapon for money i don't have the money what do we do now do you actually have the weapon my backup is gone i have to survive this by myself it's just bad there's a torture scene of course it just like it's all bad it's too tropey dude um i'm trying to think it's just i mean the ending is rough the whole point the whole point of the movie is she can't have a relationship because she's an international spy and he wants to commit so hard so he comes on really hard and that's why she, she goes him like the their uh symbolism for their relationship is a cactus because she needs something that doesn't need watering and at the end, that just goes out the window. She's cool again. And he's totally cool with her killing people. That was a big deal in the beginning of the movie when you find out the person you're in love with kills people. And at the end, he goes, I guess you kill people. That's fine. This movie sucks. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it, uh, I think I gave Six Underground a four. This is okay. as bad. I don't know if it's worse, but it's as bad. But I'm resentful because they got me. So I'm gonna say three point seven five. <laughs> okay, the extra point two five knockoff is 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 the betrayal of trust. <laughs> right. So I watched the first Kung Fu Panda movie. Um, yes. To the, yes. To the best of my knowledge, I've never seen it in its entirety, which is crazy because we had oh the DVD God. in my house for like a decade. It was just like for that was one of those movies that was like. That was my brother's movie. Like when we were kids, okay. like my brother had Kung Fu Panda. My brother had Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I had Pink Panther and I had like Madagascar. Um, like there was like mm -hmm. a, like a dividing line. And so I had really not seen Kung Fu Panda. I've seen all the memes from it. I've seen like the, 
the pinky flex, you know, I've seen the iconic stuff, but I've never seen it in its entirety. And let me tell you, I've never seen, very rarely does a movie lose me and get me back so effectively. Because the first half of this movie is not great. Like, a lot of it is just Poe being made fun of. They rely on a lot of tropey stuff. Um, It's very, like, 2008 humor in terms of, like, making fun of his body and his, like, attitude. And it just overall didn't really stick with me. At the turning point, however, Mm -hmm. halfway through, when Tai Lung escapes and, like, the kung fu starts happening, it gets good fast. Like, all the action scenes in this movie are genuinely really cool. And watching um, Poe get trained by the master is a lot of fun and a really cool scene. Um, And basically, once Poe's training starts to the end of the movie, I am on board 100%. So that's kind of what I mean. Like, I was ready to write this movie off as way overhyped until they started fighting. I'm like, oh, no, I get it now. Nope, I get it. I totally get it. <laughs> um, um, Are yeah. you willing to watch Kung Fu Panda 2 and Kung Fu Panda 3 and Kung Fu Panda 4 next year? Yes, I am. So you... Okay, Craig. That's a lot. I've seen Kung, Kung Fu Panda 2 more than I've seen any... Than I, more than I've seen the first one, and I didn't see the third one. But the fact that they're coming out with a fourth one, do you feel like, based off the first movie alone, that this series has legs? I mean, yeah. I think, especially considering its supporting cast, it's crazy that they would have mm-hmm. hired these people for anything fewer than a three-movie deal. Got you. Um, yeah. So, the first one... I'm going to just read off the cast real quick for our audience and then we can close this thing out jack black jackie chan james hong lucy Liu, dustin hoffman seth rogan angelina jolie david cross ian mcshane and a uh michael clark duncan and it just keeps going it gets more obscure but you recognize the faces (laughs) so this is insane dude i think that this movie gets like a seven and a quarter just because that first half really lost me but I think the funniest part of this movie is like, so Master Ugwe is like the super master of the dojo. He's the one that trained mm. the master that trained Poe. Like he's the tip top. And it's so funny because at the halfway point, spoiler, he dies. But he doesn't like die, die. He just like gets accepted into it. the force like Yoda does. And that scene yep is genuinely funny comedy to me because here's how the scene goes down is can you tell me dustin hoffman's characters names if you have the page still pulled up master shifu so master shifu who is poe's master and the master of everybody else goes up to uwe 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 yeah um master shifu goes up to uwe and he's like tai lung is back we need your help how do we defeat him and uwe basically looks at him and goes that sucks. Anyway, I'm going to die. Best of luck. <laughs> and then get surrounded by petals and disappears into the mist. And I'm like, are you are you serious, bud? <laughs> like, it, it, that scene feels so out of place in the funniest way possible. All, it's like they knew they needed to increase the tension because Ugwe was just like this, like, he was the perfect machine. He was the deus ex machina to stop Tai Lung instantly. So they're like, we need to remove him so they have a challenge to face. What if we just write him off? 
and he leaves that abruptly. Um, I just thought that was funny. So like seven and a quarter. And what's crazy is yeah. the distribution for these movies is buck wild because they're all distributed by different companies. So Kung Fu Panda 1 is on HBO Max. Kung Fu Panda t- Kung Fu Panda 3 is on Netflix. Kung Fu Panda 2 is on no streaming services. I've never seen such a disjointed... <sighs> franchise like they cannot get their entire family into one home at this point even fast and furious has figured it out yeah dude here's the thing it doesn't matter where it goes as long as it's together it can be on voodoo it can be on freebie it can go anywhere as long as it's together but i remember this happened this happens all the time but good companies know like and there's some stuff that like like I think Mission Impossible is broken up too, or maybe it recently got reunited. Not anymore. I think Paramount like, oh, Plus. Oh, Mission Impossible one. Yeah, they capitalized on it. I remember that just like Netflix is the king of that, bro. Netflix is like which one makes the most sense financially? We'll just grab that one movie in the middle of a series. What pisses me off the but most about know? Netflix is they will adapt something. And then not have the thing it's adapting. Or, like, they'll even, like, make a sequel series and not have the original yep. that it's a sequel series of. And it's so infuriating. It makes me want to not watch the thing that they are making. But it's, what do I know? I'm a big fan of watching all the stuff. So, like, when I was watching James Bond, watching all the new ones up until um, No Time to Die. That was also all over the place. It's just like, and then when the new John Wick comes out, I'm like, I want to watch them all. Make it easy to find what is going on. But Mm -hmm. I guess this is a hill we will both die on because nothing's going to change. What are we watching next week? We are watching E.T., the extraterrestrial. Very excited for this. All of Spielberg's movies are are world-renowned. And this is just another one on the list. Have you seen it before? I have not. No. Um, it's exactly what you think you're gonna get. I haven't watched it in I a bet. while, but I remember. I mean, this movie came out, I think, in the early '80s. Um, and I remember watching this, being like, "Yeah, uh, that makes sense." <laughs> and I was like in middle school. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about. it. I'm excited to watch it. It's family friendly. Um, so let's do it, bro. Until next week, my name is Craig Wells, aka Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces. Deuces.